You're listening to the Social Hub Podcast, a place where we give small brands the skills and know-how to master all their social media, digital, and content marketing. I'm your host, Stacey Cranich, mum, champagne drinker, and self-confessed karaoke queen. Join me in a journey of real conversations and meaningful messages that will help you grow in your business and life so you can have the most epic version of both. If you have a big vision and are ready to shine, then grab a cuppa or a cocktail and listen in. All right, welcome everyone to today's episode. I'm really excited to have my two guest speakers on today, Jackie and Helen from Two Girls and a Laptop. And I actually started following you guys pretty early on into my own business journey. And you probably don't realize this, but I, I actually did one of your, as one of your free email courses or something initially. I just kind of really liked your style. and was like, yeah, what have these girls got to say about this? And then as I followed you a bit more, I realized you had some amazing substance to your content around helping business owners around how to plan and do business planning in their business. And as a social media coach, I see so many people coming to me that have, you know, we live in the age of the entrepreneur, they've started a business, they've set up a Facebook page, and then they just kind of start throwing content out there and then get to a point where they go, well, hang on a minute, I actually have a business to run. How do I run this business? How do I set goals, execute them? What sort of stuff do I need to look for? How do I analyze these numbers? Where do I even find this data? And, you know, they kind of, you know, sometimes fumble along for a little bit and then go, oh, I need to get into a little bit more nitty gritty with this. And I always love finding experts to talk about this stuff because it's really important that I think people get the information direct from those that know that are in the know. So we are going to be talking about business planning today and I'm really excited to get this content out there to everyone, particularly to those people in business who might be putting your hands up about what I just spoke about, maybe going, yes, that's exactly me. So first of all, I'd love Jackie and Helen, if you could just introduce yourself, tell us a bit about you guys and what you do, and then we'll get stuck into some really cool questions and content. Awesome. I'm Jackie. I'm Helen. (laughs) We're two girls in a laptop. Um, So thank you very much for that lovely introduction. (laughs) And for having us, we're delighted to be here. Oh, yeah. It's great to have you. Love a good chat. Oh, always love a chat. That's what I love about you girls is you love a chat. So I much prefer to speak than to actually um, write. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so our business started nearly two and a half years ago. Almost three. It'll be three years this year. Yeah, Yeah. three years this year. Which does because we always are talking about what we did before this, which means it's been even longer. (laughs) So um, we... Look, we support women in small business, definitely in business planning and in sales and marketing strategy and also just ongoing mentorship, coaching, anything to do with small business. So we're kind of quite broad in our approach because every individual business owner is at a different stage in their journey and they also have different needs. So one of the things that we really, I guess, have as our unique selling proposition is that every interaction or engagement with us is really unique to the individual's business as opposed to something that's generic because we kind of want to help people with their business. On an intimate level. Yeah, on an intimate level. So that, you know, can be done through, I mean, in terms of how we 
execute that. That's done through a couple of our most popular intensives, which is a business planning and strategy session. And that leads on to a sales and marketing strategy session, um, ongoing coaching. We also deliver sort of shorter timeframe projects or bespoke strategies as well. So delivered face-to-face or over webinar, you know, that's how we kind of interact with our clients. Yeah. But, um, we probably were birthed um, from a similar story to what you just mentioned in that we both come from a background in retail, corporate retail. Um, we both got burnt out and took leave um, for different reasons, um, had a couple of kids between us and then decided to work together. So I was doing some freelance social media management and we're working with a lot of women in business who were looking for their social media to be the answer to all of their small business woes or to bring them all of the sales in the world. And whilst, you know, even up to a couple of years ago, it was a really, really good thing and it still does to this day. It's a lot harder. sell off of it a lot easier, yeah. I think, when it first came about. But as you probably say, Stacey, it's not really a place for sales. It's really a place to build a brand and people were still expecting to be able to just open an account and all the sales would just come rolling through. Oh, 100%. Still happens today. <laughs> yeah. And- When trying to sort of get a bit of or glean a bit of an understanding about their business goals and what their actual goals were, quite a lot of them, if not all of them, didn't have any. (laughs) So I had a chat to Jackie because we'd always talked about working together again and I just said, there's this real gap in the market, I think, where, you know, there's women who are starting up amazing small business ideas but they just lack perhaps a little bit of experience or even the ability to, you know, for somebody to talk to or to even sort of, just throw out ideas with to get them some rigour around their business and how it's going to be financially viable for them and how it's going to move into the long term. So that's where our business kind of started from and developed and we've evolved ourselves and our customers have as well in terms of how we deliver and what we deliver from day one, which, which happens in small business. But you know, the core of what we want to do is work with women in small business and that's continued, you know. To be consistent. Yeah, for three years. So we love it. Cool. And I'm definitely one of those reformed corporate workers. I was, (laughs) I did 17 years in finance. I worked for a major bank for 17 years and climbed the corporate ladder for a bit and, you know, kind of lived in that kind of sales and coaching space. Um, and then pivoted into sales and marketing when in, in the online space when I started um, the social hub, and yeah, so I'm all over that and how you know how bur- I know how burnt out I was <laughs> when I left and after I had kids. So and it's a common story. It is. Yeah. yeah. It's also unfortunately we haven't quite got there yet. I don't think in the corporate world, but you know both of us are, are mothers. And quite a lot of our clients are also mothers and there's still that big gap between having a career but also having flexibility to be able to manage your family's expectations or needs. As a primary caregiver. And that's why so many women in Australia are starting up small business is because corporate hasn't, you know, caught on to offer that level of flexibility that you see in places like the Nordics. And sadly for them, they're losing so much talent. Oh, 100%, yeah. But that's just, you know, like that's just the way it is, unfortunately, at this stage. But then they're opening up all these small businesses and creating opportunities for us to work with them. But it's also good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They want, which is, which is nice. 
Yeah, definitely. So let's talk business planning. So I find a lot of people who need to do it, like I said, just don't realize what the process can actually do for their business and kind of sometimes see business planning more of a goal setting exercise. Um, And like you said, some people don't even have goals. Like you ask them, what are your business goals? And they're like, oh, they can't even really articulate them. Or maybe they can't, they think they know what they are, but they don't really know what they are. So I guess I'd love you to start with what exactly does the process cover and what does that mean for a small business owner? I think, um, well, firstly, I think some people feel a little bit daunted by that because um, there's a couple of things. Can I just jump in here before Helen launches into that? I think they feel daunted because they go onto the like Australian yeah. government website and they download the business, the business planning template of that website, and it's like 15 pages long. Yes, I agree with you there, actually. <laughs> and then they just freak yeah. out. Yeah, or they've visited an accountant, or um, you know, they've they've had some sort of discussion with a financial professional, and they feel really scared about what yeah. they have to provide or a bank for that matter. Um, yeah. I think the first thing is is that it doesn't have to be a really heavy document. Um, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those and there's certainly going to be some organisations if you are looking for funding that will need something that's got a really good, you know, and we're definitely big advocates for having rigour around your numbers, but it doesn't have to look pretty. It could be on the back of a napkin if that's all it is, but at least it's a plan and there's been some thought into what you're actually wanting to achieve and how you're going to achieve it. So um, certainly we are big believers in what you write down. <laughs> we'll get done. We're massive to-do list people, but we're yeah. also big believers in your energy goes, that's where it will flow. So I think um, firstly, don't be too scared by the concept of a business plan. It can appear in any way. Um, From our perspective, there's some pretty key elements that do need to be in there. One is um, most importantly, your why. So what is actually driving you as an individual to own this business and to run this business? And that can be different for every single person. So for some people, it can be purely financial stability. For others, it could be a real passion to help for a non-profit organisation that they have a commitment to or they have some sort of um, belonging to. For others, it could be to provide some flexibility because they, all the reasons we talked about before, are the primary caregiver and they want to earn an income but also be able to manage their family. So there's lots of different reasons why, but what we find is if there's no why behind it, that's often where people come unstuck and why businesses don't succeed because they don't have an actual connection to it. Um, that will kind of then, I think, drive the business goals as well. So it is a little bit about goal setting, but it it's, more, you know, like there's, there's the there's a why you're going to do it and then there's the goals in terms of what you want to achieve and then there's other elements that form part of it. So in our, you know, in our sessions that we do, we concentrate really heavily on the three, six and 12-month mark but also think about ahead around the five-year mark to see where they need to go. But we kind of feel like in small business land things move really quickly um, and it's very easy to get stuck in a rut and to get stuck in that day-to-day of just putting your socials forward and it could be three months' time and you haven't achieved anything other than done a daily post. So, um, you know, it's really about setting some goals on what you want to achieve within the business in the short term 
understanding where you want to go long term. Um, another most important thing that we consider is the financials and that went by no means either of us are accountants. We obviously have a knowledge of what you need, um, you know, to make a business profitable. <laughs> we understand a basic profit and loss um, and we certainly understand cash flow. But we work with a lot of women who have never looked at their numbers and continue not to and they wonder why they're actually not making money but you need to understand how you're going to make money, what you're spending and what the leftover is going to be, whether it's positive or negative. And also, yeah, not just what you're spending, but what you actually need to spend on the business to get to get it to kick and get it to reach those financial goals. So we often have, you know, and, and there's no problem with this, but we have, see business owners that have really lofty goals. Like they want to take home, they want to replace their corporate wage of, say, 120000 and they put that down as a goal and we're like, so what do you need to make to, to actually have a before-tax wage of 120? And in their mind, they just had to turn over 120, not considering all the expenses. Yeah, you know, it's so common. It's just like, no, but I made 120,000, but you didn't really make 120,000. But the are running at 60%. You yeah. Know? It's the rigour, like the big rigor around that, not only the, 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 you know, the top line revenue goal, but also really deeply understanding all those operating expenses. Obviously, they differ between product and service-based businesses. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of business owners really underestimate the amount of money that you need to tip into marketing and advertising to generate the leads required to get the sales. And the first two years is super hard. So, yeah. you know, unfortunately... We do see a few forlorn faces when we do the operating expenses <laughs> section um, because they probably didn't anticipate just how much it would cost to get, you know, to get the business really kicking along. But it's also something that's so crucial to understand because and also sometimes I think solidifies, okay, I'm not doing too bad because, you know, the first 12 months is always, was always going to be tough. We were just hoping to break even or whatever that is. So the financials we do first because they're pretty involved. And I, um, you know, I also we are also big believers that you need to be rewarded financially for the work that you do. So, a lot of us like to do it for the love of it, but at the end of the day, you know, we want to regain really that financial independence that we potentially had in our corporate careers or in other jobs as well. So, I think that you know, you need to know your numbers and you need to understand them if you're going to be in a position to be able to talk to someone about, you know, what you're expecting as well. So, the other thing that I think. Um, you know, there's certainly elements of um, the marketing plan, the things that drive the marketing plans that we cover off quite in depth is um, customer profile. Um, we're massive believers that if you know who your customer is, then the rest will flow and follow quite easily. Um, so that's a really big part of the business planning stage for us. And also from there, we go through the sales funnel. So just understanding where you're going to find that ideal customer and that's going to really drive your marketing plan. One other thing that we also like to include, which, um, you know, does also sound a little bit boring, but is the operations. Um, I think a lot of people have goals exactly as Jackie mentioned, maybe about scale or about size, but they don't understand that you know, they're only one person. Um, so whether that means that's recruiting a new person to support the growth or it might be investing in a new system to report, you know, to support that, outsourcing some jobs, um, you really need to probably understand the operational side of the business 
and where your time is spent to understand where your your time is best spent as opposed to what you're currently doing. So it's almost like in summary, just to take a step out away from your business and have a bit of a bird's eye view on it. Um, look down and understand where you want to go, where you're at and what needs to be done to get there. Someone helped us describe it once and it's like the business owner wants to get from A to B. They don't really care how they get there and we get them there faster. So, yeah, they'll come to us with their, you know, even five-year landscape of what they want to do and we're like, okay, this is how you get there. Um, Probably the other thing we do touch on um, is the competitive landscape and we also like to really dig down and fine-tune the unique selling proposition because... um, a lot of business owners do actually want to enter a flooded market, a quite saturated market, and, you know, like another social media manager, for example, which is fine because, you know, there's we sort of feel like there's enough money at the table for everyone, but they're not really sure on what flavour of social media manager they're going to be and what they're going to offer. Or who they're going to Or service. who they're going to service that is going to enable them to not have to compete on price. Yeah. Because... It's a highly commoditized space, for example, you know, so we really like to really dig down on what pain point do you solve and what person do you sell to, like the like Helen said, the ideal client. So needless to say, it's a very intense day. <laughs> <laughs> but we do get the clients to do a lot of pre-work before and we do set a lot of expectations. So if you're thinking about working with us, don't be terrified. We're really, really lovely and supportive. <laughs> I can imagine though that, you know, even though it can be confronting and I've even had this with my own clients where we sit down and analyze their numbers um, for their socials, for example, and look at what their analytics are and then look at, you know, in terms of what are they doing on there versus how many actual sales they're making in their business. And I'm by no means go into the sort of depth that you guys do as far as this sort of business planning. But I do say to people like, okay, here's what you're doing. What are those translating into in forms of actual numbers? And sometimes those numbers are really confronting, but the clarity that comes from it means that you get such a better, like, driving force or plan behind where you're going to go to from here. Like I always kind of say it's like doing anything without a plan is like getting into a car to go somewhere without your GPS on and you just kind of, you turn down streets trying to figure it out. You're never going to get there very quickly. You might get there eventually, but it takes a long time. Whereas you put your GPS on and it's like, there's my plan. These are the streets I go down. This is what I do. And off you go. Yeah. And look, it's not to say um, that every you know, out of, out the outcome of every session is really, you know, yay, yay, we're moving forward. We've had clients that have done that and then have had a really good look at it and gone, you know what, based on this rigour and this due diligence, it's not for me. And we actually think that is probably, if not more positive than some of the other ones because, you know, we feel like they've comfortably invested time, money and effort and energy into actually really looking into the business to see its colleagues. And I don't think enough people do that before they execute and they find themselves six, 12 months down the track really disheartened, you know, because they haven't done that sort of due diligence. So, I mean, ultimately we want everyone to succeed and we want these small businesses to go ahead, but we've similarly had clients who've come to us with one foot on each camp. Do I, don't I, do I, don't I? Yes, yep. Or considering a pivot and, you know, doing the same exercise for two different business models to see which way will work for them. You know, and that's not always just the financial reward. That could be the other reasons as well, what they actually want to do. But, um, you know, 
we'd rather see people come to those decisions having done the rigor and having, you know, put some effort and energy into the plan as opposed to just kind of sticking a finger in the air and wondering yeah. where they're going. Yeah. I think that's very common in the startup community, particularly that haven't got to the point of doing this exercise yet, is that do I keep going, do I not? Because yeah. it's like you're doing stuff but seeing some results, maybe a little bit not enough, not enough, you know, and it's that constant, oh, 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 and then you see people going, oh, I'm looking on Seek for a job because it's too hard. Yeah. <laughs> and look, a lot of, I'd say 80% of our clients come to us probably after they've been in business for six months. Exactly. Yeah. They've been so busy getting it all out there. They haven't had time to breathe and we get that, you know, and then they kind of take a breath, sit back and go, okay, is this what I, is it where I want to be? Or <laughs> has it probably been the, yeah, 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 take, yeah it's, it's interesting. It's so hard because the first 12 months, you know, unless you've got a fair bit of cash behind you, you've really got to be quite careful about where you put your pennies and how. Yeah, 100%. You know, we were very, we probably fell into that trap of do, trying to DIY a task of t- taking us 10 hours and not even doing it correctly and then eventually outsourcing it for like a hundred bucks. Yep. In hindsight, we would, you know, reverse and go back and just tip more money up front to just be able to outsource those tasks from the get-go because then we could have spent more time on the on the, ta- on the tasks that only we can do, the yep. real the high revenue-generating tasks versus yes. more administrative tasks that we could yes. have yep. for a hundred bucks, but you've got to kind of go through it. We understand. Yeah, sometimes it's definitely part of the journey. I I feel for sure too. So let's talk about reviewing your your goal your goals against what's happened. So sometimes I find people just have the same goals every year. So when I sit down with my clients, like, okay, what are you, what are your goals? Where do you want your business to be? What are your marketing goals? What do you want your social media to do for you? And they're like, well, I just want it to do this. I've always wanted it to do this. It's never really changed. Um, and they just keep holding them over without kind of it's because they haven't done this sort of part of the process they haven't analyzed and planned and so they just keep going every year oh yeah well I didn't achieve that maybe I'll do it this year yeah so I guess what sort of insights or aha moments can happen in that part of the process I think first of all when you start digging into the data and Hells and I are pretty close to all of our analytics being planners but we still spend the time and um we're kind of going through that process at the moment of reviewing what what went down in 2019 and how did that how did our performance actually how do we go against what we set out to do um which is really insightful um i think the aha moments are you kind of think you know what you, you know but when you get into the details quite often it didn't you didn't actually perform in a certain way that you thought you did um Sorry, I just think I think that um, a lot of the aha is taking on a bit more accountability for knowing your numbers. So um, it's not unusual when we talk to a client that we obviously say to them, "What's your web traffic? What's you know? What's your average customer value? Those sorts of things." And a lot of people meet us with a blank face. And this is no criticism, but they should know that. You know, yeah, I think, I think that they get a bit of a wake up call to I need to start taking this seriously, and I need to actually know. And also, like with an e commerce store, for example, when they're discounting their products, we'll say, "Well, how much margin is in you know with discounting, for example, how much margin is in that for you to you know afford to discount?" And they don't know on the fly that profit margin so they're not making data-led decisions and it's the review that sort of enables them to make those data-led decisions yeah 
I think it brings them accountability to know that and, and if anything, it educates them on what, what the key performance indicators are. Yeah. You know, um, we, you probably are the same, Stacey, coming from a corporate background, but we were measured on KPIs. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and our entire career was based around achieving a sales target or a revenue target or any other sort of target. So we're really big into knowing our numbers because we just had We to got be. paid on it. <laughs> but also we were like asked at any one point by a director where we were at. And you, you had to know that you number. had to kind of know. Mm. But in small business equally we think it's just as important because, you know, just say, you know, like to translate that to a story, just say you're, you know, you've got a potential collaboration with an influencer and they're coming to you and they're saying, okay, I will promote your dress and I'm going to charge you $400. Um, you want to be able to say, okay. I need to make, X, you know, how many yeah. dresses would I have to sell to make that $400? And, you know, you need to say to her, what do you think the conversion is on a post that you do? What's your peak time? You know, all of these sorts of factors so that you can go back and in your head go, okay, she, if she has a conversion rate of 20% or whatever it is, then I will need to have X amount. You, you know, like it, just, it will just give you some information. As so in front of you your mind. Make yeah. some data-led you know, decisions, just as Jackie said. Which, um, so many people just go, oh, but is it worth it? And, you know, if you have some sort of facts behind you, you can wear that out. The other thing to talk over, to talk about your rollover, you mentioned before that people just roll their goals over. And I think it's really crucial to understand in this world of social media where, let's face it, a lot of us do get our lead generation and build our brands on social media. But the social media landscape changes. You know, Stacey, you would move about month to month, if not quarter to quarter, if not year to year. So Constantly. (laughs) Constantly changing. Your lead, your lead pipes being email, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, whatever they are, they just they are not the same as what they were last year. And so you need to be dynamic in the space that you're operating in. You know, if you're relying on inbound marketing, I think the one thing that you have to do when you do your review is you have to review how the landscape is changing for your lead generation because it will not be the same year to year. Yeah, 100%. Another sort of really compelling reason not to just let things roll over. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, you know, as to, in terms of some of those numbers, like what's your, you know, average sale price or, you know, average yeah. what metric, what, whatever that metric was that you said before, <laughs> some people don't know where to find that information. Yeah. It's like they just, and so the, even the clarity on just on that is really powerful as well as like, oh, this is where I find that. This is how I work this out. This is how then, you know, you can go on to look at how you price your products, discount your products, price your services, do a sale, you know, those sorts of things instead of just going, yeah, I, I did a 50% off sale and made $1,000 this weekend. Yeah. Well, it's so pertinent, particularly in e-commerce, Stacey, I think, People sort of look at margin being what you paid for it and what you sold it for, but you really have to add in though that, you know, that operating expenses margin. And unfortunately, you know, it eats into the profit margin significantly. So I think to, to your point, it's really pertinent for e-commerce. Yeah, definitely. So you ladies also, and you talked about it before, and I see you guys talking about this particularly in your social media marketing as well because that's where I follow you is your client profiling Um, and it's something I'm also really really passionate about because I fully believe that 
if you don't get that right, pretty much most of what you do is not going to execute well. Um, and it's, I know this is a big part of your business review template and you, you, you know, you spoke about it before, um, about reviewing your client profile as part of your process. So could you just expand on that a little bit more and why that's important with what you guys do? So I think what you're saying as well is to talk specifically about reviewing it as opposed to creating it originally. Is that right? Um, well, if they're brand new, then you need to create one. Sometimes people have the wrong client profile and they're targeting the wrong people. So um, I or, guess or cre- often they have one, but they've done it in their head. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it definitely expand on both creating and reviewing would be awesome. Sure. Um, so definitely. So when it comes to creating it, it's why it's probably one of the first things we talk to in our business planning and strategy sessions with clients is, um, like I sort of mentioned before, it's and you've also said it's it's basically going to be um, the key to your marketing strategy because you need to know who your ideal client is so that you can then find them and so that you can meet their expectations and solve a problem for them so um you know there's more to just understanding a profile by saying their age where they live um whether or not they've got kids yeah whether they've got kids um the most important thing that we think that comes into profiling is actually understanding their pain points and what your product or service does to provide a solution for that so you're either going to um relieve them of their pain or you're going to please them you know what I mean like so that that that's probably the two ways in terms of selling it so obviously if you sell candles they don't necessarily have a pain that they need a candle but you're going to give them some form of pleasure with that candle do you know what I mean like so but for instance um if you are a graphic designer you have a small business operator who has a pain point of I don't have professionally professional material so you need to solve their problem by providing them some really good graphic design. So they're the two kind of drivers of emotions. Yeah, of emotions. Yeah. So from our perspective, we really spend a lot more time. I mean, certainly the demographics and the um, you know are very important. We don't discount that, but equally important, and if not more, is more around understanding what those pain points are, um, the behaviours and um, activity of your ideal client profile so that you can start to talk to them in ways that will solve those pain points or it will make you relatable, will encourage a connection, which will in turn encourage them to follow you or to be sign up to your email list um, or to purchase from you ultimately. Um, so it is just imperative. It, the other thing that we truly believe is that if you get your profiling right, it means you're not going to be wasting money which is so precious in small business land um, on any marketing execution that you're doing. So if you're running a Facebook advertising campaign and you haven't narrowed down interest profiles, in our opinion, you're wasting any money that you're spending because you're blanket, you know, you're sending a blanket message out there to anybody and they're not necessarily even interested in your product or service or aware that you have this because they don't have a need for it so it's a it can really drain your resources which is so precious particularly in the startup phase as well um and you want to make sure that any any 
money that you're spending, you're getting bang for buck with. I think there's a bit of fear sometimes, Stacey, and you might experience as well with your conversations that you're having is the fear is they don't want to niche down because they feel like they'll yes. lose their own business if they niche down. Yeah, 100%. My argument to that is you can't afford not to. Because you can't be all things to all people. Like you're not Disney. You're not Coca-Cola. You're not, you know, you're not a massive corporate. And you just, it's just impossible to be all things to all people. So we're sort of like, if you try talking to everybody, you'll end up talking to nobody. Um, And I I think um, we also quote, um, God, I've forgotten his name. Let's say that. Gary V. Is it Gary V or is it Tim Ferriss? Tim, sorry, Tim Ferriss. I've gone off Gary V. Um, Tim Ferriss, sorry. Um, Around, he says, you want to be the leader in the category of a customer as opposed to the category of a product. So um, you want to be the person who sells candles to the 70-year-old lady because you've got lily of the valley yes as opposed to <laughs> want to be the best lily of the valley candle maker do you know what i mean like, yes yeah a little less example you get where we're going <laughs> yeah i totally get where you're going and i i, I think like what i like about what you guys just said was you know when you touched on you know, the client profiling and then, you know, talked about how it can help with, you know, your Facebook ads and the, the, the impact it can have on your bottom dollar and what you're spending. And that's a really crucial point is that your client profiling affects so many different parts of your business, not just one part. And sometimes I almost feel like I get the eye roll from people when you start talking about client profiling again, but every time I interview a new guest speaker, we end up talking about client profiling because you need to know what your client wants to see or do or feel or what pain they want solved or how, you know, how they want their life made better for you to execute what you're doing in the most effective way. If you've got six, that's just too many. Like it doesn't mean that it once your business scales and you can have six different profiles. But if you're just starting out and you class yourself as a small business, you know you really need to double down on the the, the one profile that's going to make yeah. you. And the other thing um, to Jackie's point before about people being scared about nervous about you know excluding somebody is there'll be elements of your profile which will cross over into others. So. You know, I'll give you our example, for instance. So we obviously have a client profile and her name is Catherine with a K. We we encourage everybody to name their profile and get very intimate with them. And she is a mum and she's a small business owner and she listens to the Mamma Mia podcast for argument's sake. It's from women who are not mums. Do you know what I mean? Like, but they listen to the Mamma Mia podcast and they've seen us in the lady startup community. So they can bleed over into other segments. So by narrowing down (laughs) us, by actually, you know, really thinking about her psychographics and her demographics, it's enabled us to be really astute and really, you know, to a micro level with our campaigns and with our advertising and with what we've done. And that's then meant that somebody who's, you know, got one element of that has also seen it and we've touched on a need that they've had so we have in in fact we haven't excluded them at all that's just one element of it that really attracts them Mm -hmm. so 
by honing in, you're actually going to give yourself more opportunity, we think, to get in front of a larger crowd of people who want what you have. There's also the repel element as well. And um, I think when we first started in business, if someone had come along and said to us, there's going to be a type of client that you're not going to want to work with, we would have just gone, I don't think so. (laughs) But there is. There absolutely is a type of client that we don't want to work with. So, you know, we're not afraid of, (laughs) and no, that's not men necessarily, but but we, we have had male clients. But, yeah, you know, it's okay to repel the person you know if you're we like to use this sort of example if you are if you're a maker right if you're an artisan pottery person and you make these beautiful pieces let's say you make these beautiful coffee mugs that take you like 10 hours to turn one out and you sell it for 50 bucks or something you're not going to want the bargain hunter that wouldn't you know that would only shop at ikea yes you'll never convert that person and they're absolutely no point trying to talk to them because you just want to talk to people that that value that particular and I think another thing that this comes back into and you know to answer your question about why it might be good to review this as well in your business plan is that it can actually really support you with developing your products and services so after a period of time you might have followed you know or you might have had a particular ideal customer profile and you'll start to gather some intel through statistics, through your socials and through your Google Analytics, through your web traffic, et cetera. And you can actually have a look at that data and validate it against one, whether it's matching up. But then you can also start to make some decisions around where you want your business to go based on that too. So to Jackie's point, if you're selling, um, if your ideal client is somebody who shops at IKEA, you know, like you don't want to have a product or a service that's positioned at a $50 price point. (laughs) So that's probably a bit extreme, but it actually does really help. Um, And we've had quite a few discussions with clients around their product and pricing based on that. So um, it can allow you to bump up your prices to increase your margin and it similarly might make you have a bit of a think about um, some of the operating expenses in your business and where you can cut down on those. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's... Like it's a pretty good deep dive, I think, into Can you tell? client profiling process. <laughs> yeah, you get all right. I think, and it, I I love that though because um you know I mean I talk about it from a marketing perspective and from a social media aspect, but you know the concept, the way that you girls get really deep with your clients in the aspect of client profiling is you know in the real nitty gritty of your business. And how important that is for 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 that, and to to be able to know where you're at and where you need to go. So I guess that kind of um, segues really nicely into you know we're talking about you know nitty gritty and numbers and those sorts of things. So let let's talk now about data. So your numbers, sales figures, profit margins, web traffic. Um, you know, so, you know, it's sort of data that people need to look at. And, you know, I talk a lot with my paid clients about this as well as a as to plan a marketing strategy, strategy that's going to meet your key business objectives that you need to know this data. And a lot of people don't, they'll come to me and they still don't know um, the answers to, to those sorts of questions. But it's also something people either they just either don't do it, they don't know where to look, they don't know what to analyse, um, they just don't even know where to start. So what are your tips on being able to understand, I guess, you know, what are the numbers you need to look at, what do you need to know, 
Um, what what's where do people start with that? So um, I know we've sort of touched on we've sort of talked about data a lot today already. So I try and keep this brief. Um, but in terms of it's probably the I know there's probably a few you know top ones. Um, certainly from your perspective, Stacey, from a like a social media, you've obviously got your Instagram insights, your Facebook insights to glean. You know those key things like the time that the times when your um your audience is actually online and interacting. You know that type of data is really insightful. We like to cross reference. You know when we're doing the customer profiling, for example, we do like to jump in and have a look at the Instagram audience, the split between male and female, and also the the, the demographics like the age and the location, um, and cross reference that against the Facebook and also against Google Analytics. So Google Analytics is obviously giving you um, your web traffic data. So you actually have a mixture of demographic and psychographic information in Google Analytics. And what we mean by that is you not only have the the age, the geographical location, the language, but there's also some interest information in there as well that's interesting to take a look at. So that's the, uh, the other interest categories that they've got, what else they like to sort of look at online. And when we share that with clients, so many of them didn't even realise that, that the information was there. So, so there's social media insights and data there. There's, um, there's Google Analytics there. And I also think the other key one from a financial position is actually the profit and loss statement. Yeah. There's just so much that can be looked at in profit and loss. Yeah. Um, if you're talking around some of the stuff around your sales figures and, you know, what's happening within your business. I think if you're, um, I think web traffic is a really big, um, you know, number that you want to understand because at the end of the day, it's what you want to convert, you know, people into clients. So we're talking digital businesses in, you know, here now. There's obviously different things for bricks and mortar store, but, um, you know, web traffic is going to ultimately be how many people are attracted to you to the point of either purchasing or finding out more information. Um, so I think web traffic is a huge one because that's going to tell you if campaigns are driving people to your website, if there's something of interest. Um, and then if you're an e-commerce store and perhaps you're on Shopify or WordPress or one of the sites, they all have a dashboard and they're also really easy. Yeah, they're super days. easy. There's really no excuse. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, I get it. I mean, a lot of people don't know which one it is, but I would certainly say to understand trends in your sales data, so to have a look at a full year and understand where your peak periods are and, you know, at a basic yeah. level, to understand what your top sellers are, you know, to know what people are going to, and you can then marry that across with some of the Google Analytics data to see if that marries across with bounce rates and things on your website um, and to also understand probably what your average cart value is. So what you're getting from your customers on an average basis. And you could either do that over one month or you could do that over a period of time depending on how much data you have. But the longer you have, the more you should incorporate it um, because that's going to ultimately tell you how many widgets you need to sell to how many people you need to sell to get to your financial goal. And then you're going to have to turn that back to your web traffic to say, well, how many people do I need to drive to my web traffic to convert them? And then that's going to go back to the social media that Jack's talked about to say, well, what time is best to post so that I get more people so that they go to my <laughs> website so that they then purchase. So it's yeah. kind of like, you know, there's a lot to be said. I think if you have an e-commerce site, 
or anywhere where you take money online, look at your dashboard and they will tell you pretty much your indicators. Um, if you're service-based and you don't necessarily oper- that, operate that way, then just go back and have a look at your bounce you know, rate, I think. Your, um, yeah, of how many people are um, leaving your website immediately. Yeah, or, you know, you could have a look at how many calls you're getting as a result of it or inquiries. Um, and, look, if you do participate in um, social media advertising these days, they have some pretty good analytics around conversion and, you know, like what your cost per click is if you, for what you're investing. But um, I think you just need to know what how many widgets you're selling on average and how much you're selling them for. You know, they're probably too big, yeah, too big key ones. Probably the only other thing, and I think people probably are close to this if they've got e-commerce, is just existing stock holdings. So, you know, we've spoken to business owners that are sitting on like between 30 and 40 grand worth of stock that just yes, yep. stop, that's just not moving and like that's a lot of stock to be sitting on that's over 12 months old. So it quite often hinders people from reordering. So. Yeah, that's usually they're aware of that for that reason. Yeah. But, yeah, you really want to really build out a strategy to be able to move that stock on so that you can, you know, cash flow is so crucial. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. So really your numbers all support each other. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah, that you know knowing when to post on social media is, you know, relevant to some of those other metrics that you were speaking about before. So it's not just they're not all independent of each other. They do all work in conjunction, um, which is you know a really important takeaway I think for a lot of people listening out there. So now that we have just touched on, you know, the marketing and looking at insights with social media, let's talk a bit more about marketing because, as I've said before, a lot of people start and end here. So they set goals and then flood their socials with content that sometimes they don't have a strategy. It doesn't lead to any key objectives being met at all. Um, and then this is when you see people start to give up and they've got one foot in do I keep going? Do I not keep going? Maybe they've gone to the Seek website and started looking for another job. Um, but, you know, when it comes to marketing, what a, what what sort of marketing analysis uh, do you recommend or do you walk through with your clients? Um, I think exactly what you've said is so many people, when they think of marketing plan, they go straight to the execution, which is yes. um, so what we encourage our people to do is step back, have a look at those business goals and with them in mind, put together a strategy and a plan um, first and then worry about the execution. And that doesn't make sense for a lot of people, but we have one method that kind of has worked with our clients we thought we'd share with you today. Um, And that's the whole concept of a campaign calendar. So we really encourage um, business owners to take a look at a full 12 months in their business And even if they physically have to get a calendar out in front of them and map out any peak periods that are going to affect them and any peak periods that are going to affect them negatively as well. So, for instance, it's not negative for us, but we have to consider school holidays because our ideal client, Catherine, has people in school, in young school age. So it's highly unlikely we're going to have... um, a lot of people booking in that period of time. So we map that out and we plan that out and it just by chance works with us as well because we're juggling kids at the same time. But that is a peak period for us that we have to be aware of within our calendar where we wouldn't, for instance, launch a challenge over a school holiday period because the parents are never going to have time to do that, right? So kind of one for us 
There's other things that are going to be specific to your industry or your business that are seasonal. So, you know, if you are a donut shop, there's going to be World Donut Day. You want to be involved in that. So you need to understand when that is and there might be something relevant to your business, you know, whatever it is as well. So they're kind of what we would call industry-specific. There might be seasonal things. So like you might have a launch for uh, winter, summer, autumn, spring. That's pretty likely in the fashion industry. Also could be relevant to the food industry as well if it's kind of talking about produce. So if you kind of understand what we're saying, like there's a broad level of what will happen in the year that we need to understand and then that you start to get to a micro level around your industry and then you can go macro around your particular business. So if you have a goal, a business goal that you want to grow your sales by X for this period of time, then you need to obviously invest in some marketing to do that. So from our perspective, the marketing strategy would be well, in order for us to get to this amount of revenue, we need to have this amount of subscribers to be able to get there. So a marketing, one of the marketing strategies could be to grow our email subscribers. So then we have to think about a campaign of how we're going to do that. So a challenge might be a way that we're doing it. I'm just giving you a specific here for a service-based sort of business. So then we talk about what is that challenge going to be? What problem is that challenge going to solve for our ideal client? And then we start to go into... How is that going to look? What's the content going to provide? And we've done all of this concept before we even talk about how we're going to execute it because at the end of the day, it's going to be, okay, we'll do a social media post. We'll do some social media advertising. You know, that's kind of it. Like, But a lot of people jump to that end game before they've even thought about the strategy and yeah. whether it's linked to a goal. So we definitely, you know, kind of encourage people to take a really big step back and have a look at, the full, the full year, year mm. when they want to do things. I mean, for e-commerce, for instance, Christmas is going to be a massive retail period as well as all of these, if you're online, you know, all of these digital Black Fridays, Cyber Mondays, they're huge. So there's no doubt that you might invest a fairly significant amount of your budget into those particular periods because you know you're going to get your best bang for buck as well. So kind of enables you when you step back to have a look at a calendar is to think about where your budget's going to go. Certainly, we encourage everybody to review their competitors regularly. You know, we're not big believers in worrying about what other people are doing. We think you should stay in your own lane, but you do need to know what's happening out there and who you're up against, particularly if you're in a price-sensitive space. Yeah. So we definitely think you should have a look at that if there's been any new entrants, if it's changed. Have a look at your pricing, again, in line with that. And you can use some of your last year's data to determine whether it was success or not, like, some people might have, you know, engaged in Black Friday last year and it not been really great for them and they used a lot of money. So this year they might decide I'd rather spend them on Christmas. You know, yeah. going back and reviewing your performance and how it all worked for you, what worked, what didn't. Did free shipping work? No. 10% worked better. You know, like having a bit of an understanding of what worked in, with your client and with your, um, you know, in, in your sales performance will give you a lot more insight into whether you need to change it as well. Yeah, I love that. And I know I do very similar sort of thing with my clients from a social media perspective because I find what happens is people go, oh, yeah, let's just use Black Friday as an example, is they go, oh, yeah, that's on next week. I'll chuck up an offer for that. And they, <laughs> then they do a few posts for it and yeah. then they go, oh, it didn't work. I didn't get any sales. And it's like, hang on a minute, 
people create strategies for that in September Mm -hmm. and start executing it from then. Like, so, you know, you know, from a, from a social media point of view, I totally get where you're coming from. And people that have listened to other podcasts or that have worked with me are probably sitting here going, Oh, I've heard Stacey say you should plan out your big rocks first. Like I'm always saying plan out the big stuff first. So then you can account for that in your marketing. Cause if you've got a launch or a sale or something you need to, or something seasonal, don't just start talking about it the day of. You yeah. need to plan for it before then. There's certainly some agility there in small business and that's why I think a lot of people do like it because, they, you know, if, if they're having a slow sales week, they can just turn something on really quickly and easily. And that's Oh, easy. for sure, yeah. You're absolutely right. With things like Cyber Monday, Black Friday, it's, you know, the cost per click on advertising, as you probably be able to attest to, Stacey's probably astronomically <laughs> expensive, really, during yeah. the it's very saturated, yeah. yeah. So there's just those considerations. You do need some lead time to pull things together. Like if you wanted to do a gift of purchase, for example, you need to really make sure that you've got all that lined up operationally as well. So yeah, I think as well, if you know, like in small business, about a bit poor budget is so tight. You know, quite often for marketing. But I think if you have some, you know, like if you get the chance to have a really say you're a fashion store and you've got an outfit that you know is just going to be killer, it's going to sell, and you've got the potential to sell 10 times more of them than something that's sitting, you know, plodding away. If you can think about that in in a sort of broader sense and go, okay, this is my opportunity, like what's the opportunity not to promote this? Like the opportunity cost is terribly high, you know. So if you've got some foresight into that and you've got some time to plan for it, you can go, all out you can do a competition with a collaboration with an influencer you could get some PR you know like there's so many different execution elements that you could do if you have some time to plan for it which would make the sales opportunity massive as opposed to just putting it out there on a post you know so it kind of lets you sit back and really think about all the execution elements and not just one yeah 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 I love that so in, you know, coming to the end of the interview, is there any other, we have talked about a lot over the time, but is there, you know, any other little tips or juicy secrets or any last words that you want to share with people? I think we sort of touched on all the big hitters. Like, you know, it's pretty obvious that Helen and I are really passionate about customer profiling. And, you know, the one question that we ask is, like, and Helen's totally touched on this, is what what problem do you solve? <laughs> and if you look at your, if you're in the audience and, you, and you're thinking about starting a business, you know, one really big piece of advice is to get really clear on that. What, what problem are you solving or what pleasure are you bringing? The other thing, if you're established in business, is, you know, the, the beautiful thing about social media is that two-way relationship, which we just didn't have with traditional advertising. It, you know, traditional outbound advertising was just putting your messages out there and there wasn't really much in the way of a feedback loop. Listening to your customer is super important. So, you know, just without them, we don't exist. <laughs> so we want to be really, you know, we're all out there sort of spreaking our own messages, but we want to make sure we're having that two-way conversation and that we are listening to what our customers are saying. That's probably all I've got to add. I think one thing which I don't know if it's a secret or a tip, it's probably more a tip, <laughs> but um, is that especially when you're in small business and you're a solo operator, it can be a little bit lonely and I use the analogy that there's only so many times I can talk to my husband about the font that I want to use on a particular promotion without him. 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> but I think engaging in someone to help you with some business planning is, you know, it's it's not necessarily always just for all the answers. It can actually be quite often about just getting validated and actually, you know, chatting to somebody <laughs> and somebody who's interested in this space and somebody who has an objective ear, which I think is equally as important. And it can make you feel probably a little bit less alone. And like Jack's mentioned, social media is great for that. And it's been great for us from a community perspective. We, you know, we chat to a lot of women in business. We've created so many online friends, which now have become real life friends and, you know, through that. But I think if you're feeling like kind of talking to yourself a lot and you're not getting, you know, if anything, sometimes it's just, we we have clients who come to us with the ideas, but they just want to hear that it's okay. And for us to say, that's a great idea is all that it takes. So you're not alone is probably a tip that I've got there, that there's always someone out there who wants to have a chat who would be happy to give advice. Yeah. And because sometimes, like you said, like our partners or even our friends aren't always those people, you know, they they might support us, but they don't really know sometimes what we do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So if anyone wants to get in touch with you, now you do have a business review template, which I am going to put a link to that on the page with the show notes. But if anyone wants to get in contact with you, um, how do they do that? Give us a call, drop us an email, get in touch on Instagram. Um, So maybe just drop us an email. Our email address is hello at twogirlsandlaptop.com and we can just set up the time to have a chat. Absolutely no obligation to do that. So if you just want to chew the fat and work out, you know, if we might be able to support you, certainly do that. And we'd love you to follow us along on Instagram. Our handle is at twogirlsandlaptop, as is our Facebook we have a website, <laughs> which is two girls that top. <laughs> you just again. <get. laughs> We're on Twitter, Twitter, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely just pop us an email or call and yeah, we can chat. We offer free discovery calls for people. Um, like Jack said, no obligation, but if you've just got a something you want to something burning, yeah, you chat about, we can see how we can help for sure. Cool. And you did also mention that. Um, if anyone gives you a buzz after listening to the podcast to just let you know that they came through the podcast and you did have something for them as well. Definitely yeah. happy to offer 20% off any of our services. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Well, I'm sure there'll be plenty of people after listening to this going, I need to up that game for sure. Oh, So thank you so much for being on today, girls. It's been amazing chatting with you. And um, I'm sure we will see you around on the, the Instawebs. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Thank you so much, Stacey. It's been awesome. Thank you. No worries. Take care. Thanks, girls. Thanks for listening to the Social Hub Podcast. You can find the show notes for today's episode over at all the W's, thesocialhubau.com forward slash podcast. And if you want to join me in my community and continue the conversation, jump over to Facebook and join the Social Media 101 Facebook group. Until then, stay classy.